The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. How's everybody doing this morning? Do me a favor, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. We're going out of order because we're in liberty as Christians, amen? Something like that. A couple of announcements while you're doing that. Ephesians 6. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, stick a hand up nice and high. One of these fine gentlemen will make sure that you get one. If you do not own a Bible, then that is a gift to you. And we pray that that will serve you well and help you learn more about Jesus. A um, couple of announcements. Thanksgiving service is this Wednesday night, Wednesday night at 6.30. Um, it's an all-family service with worship and communion. And I uh, just want to really encourage you guys to come on out and join us there. Um, also, next Sunday is Christmas stage decorating. If you guys know, we really try to try to do it up nice on Christmas, but we always need a lot of help and a lot of volunteers. So uh, we need labor. We need some strong guys to help deal with some stuff. And then we need some uh, ladies with some taste to class up the stuff, if that makes sense. So uh, um, if you guys can help us out, we're going to be buying pizza lunch for everyone. It'll be right after service on Sunday. Um, Thanksgiving basket. Hey, here's a great win for us as a church to report. Um, Thanks to your guys' generosity, we were able to provide Thanksgiving meals for 75 families in the Valley this year. So we're super thankful for that. Praise God, yeah? Um, And and the awesome part of that is, again, as has been the case the last few times we've done this, um, I think we only had to add a couple hundred dollars to it, like as a church corporately. Um, Everything came in, donations and all that kind of stuff. So well done, everybody. We're, We're really thankful that... Um, that we're able to serve the community that way. Also, uh, flip side of 50, the White Christmas event where you're going to the Criterion, is that right? To go see White Christmas together. Today is your last day to sign up. They got to get tickets and stuff. So uh, if you are 50 years of age and older and want to jump in with those guys, you're going to have a great time. So make sure you stop by the information desk on the way out and get some info on that. So Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And um, let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to enter in. Thank you, Lord, for worship. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Lord, this week with Thanksgiving coming, there's so many things, just even that have happened already this morning, that we have great need to give you much thanks for. And Lord, now we are thankful for your word that teaches us, Lord, that that as we gather together in this place and as we seek you and your will, we will find you, that you are here amongst us, that you are, even as we'll be celebrating this Christmas season, you are Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would just teach, instruct, lead, shepherd, guide, direct, and pastor your church this morning. So we ask, Lord, as always, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O my King, my Rock, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. 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 Starting out in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, um, if you're asking why we're getting out of order, you'll figure this out in just a little bit. But starting, uh, not next week, but the week after, we're going to be beginning a four-week Advent series that will take us through the Christmas season and New Year's this year. And um, what we're going to be talking about and doing here this morning, we did not want to put off until mid-January. 
So uh, blame me for teaching too slow and too few verses at a time, but what we're going to be doing is jumping out of order a little bit to talk about um, something I think wonderful that the Lord is really doing here this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through verses 4, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here in the book of Ephesians, remember, the the context and the flow of the book of Ephesians still holds even though we're skipping ahead. Paul spent three chapters talking about who we are in Jesus, who we were before Jesus, what Jesus did that we might be adopted into his family, who we are now in Christ. And then as chapter four begins, Paul goes into what should it look like for us because of who we are, that our identity drives what we do, how we look, how we live. And in this particular case, as chapter six starts, he goes into the issue of parenting. And, and he begins in a, a, a way that's not that surprising. He starts off with really one of the first words that we even have biblically, or at least specifically, regarding the relationship between parents and children. He dips into an Old Testament command, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And we know this because this is one of the commands, right? This is part of the law, the Ten Commandments, one of the earliest and and first instructions that we have in general with regards to our covenant with God, but specifically with how we relate to one another. And it's interesting even in light of the flow of how Ephesians goes, dealing us and God, and then goes into chapter four, and it's about us and other people, we see that same pattern in the Ten Commandments, with the first of the commandments talking about our relationship with God and then the others talking about how we relate to one another. So there's a flow there, there's a connection there that just makes sense. What he does differently, however, is a little bit interesting. Because in in the first part, in the Ten Commandments, the, the command, the word that's given is given to children. Obey your parents. Children, you have a duty, a responsibility to obey your parents. And then nothing is said about how parents are to relate to their children. There's an authority structure established. Parents, you are over the children, or specifically really to the kids. Kids, your parents are over you. That is an authority that God has put in place over you and is your responsibility to honor them. But there's nothing in the Ten Commandments there talking to the parents. But now here we are in Ephesians, and we're a couple thousand years later, and Paul's teaching the church. He's writing as the Spirit directs him to the church in Ephesus, and suddenly he throws in something new that wasn't in there before. It's children, obey your parents, and he throws that one part in that we think is really funny, right? So that, it, so that you live for a while, because otherwise we might kill you. That's the joke, right? But, but then there's a shift. And, and now there's, a, there's an instruction given to the parent about how they are to wield the authority that God has ordained. And, and it's listed specifically. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is new. This isn't in there before. Now Paul's bringing this in. The authority was established, but now Paul's saying, with regards to that authority, let me talk to you, parents, and specifically in this case, fathers, though it would relate to both without question. He says, hey, do not provoke your children to wrath. The authority you have is not a bully authority. 
It is not an ultimate authority where you can just frustrate and push and whatever you want. Hey, there are limits to your authority. And one of the limits is, listen, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the instruction and fear of the Lord. Now, why the change? Why would that be added in there? I mean, besides the fact that it's good for us, but, but I wonder if there's something culturally that might explain why Paul brings this up. And when you look into the history of Greco-Roman culture in this particular time, as Paul's writing to a real people in a real period of time, you find out there was some very serious issues going on with regards to how parents, and specifically in that case, fathers related to their children in that time. It was not a warm, happy time for children in much of that culture. There were gross abuses that took place all over the place. All the authority structures were centered around the, the dominant figure, if you would, the patriarch and the family. And he wielded that authority with ultimate power within the household. And so you would read these stories and we find out that, for example, when a child was born, in many cases, the baby would come out, the babies, I'm assuming, cleaned up whatever they did back then, and they would show the child to the father. And the father, if he touched the child, brought it in and actually picked it up, then the child was accepted and became part of the family. But if the father looked at the child and decided no and turned away from the child, the child was removed and was never part of the family again. In some cases, those children were taken to places where they were raved for slavery, sexual slavery, labor slavery, all kinds of things. Or sometimes in grotesque, even more grotesque cases, the children were literally just left for dead or discarded completely. And even children that were inside the family, the authority structure in many places was so severe and so strong that it was almost as if the children that they did have inside the family were there for one reason, and that was to accomplish whatever the patriarch of the family, the leadership, the head of the family wanted. So they became basically slaves, oftentimes never able to get out from under the authority of their father constantly under the thumb of that father. This is what much of the culture at that time happened. It was, there was a genuine abuse that would happen in many, many places. The authority that God had given the parents was completely misused and was used not for the sake of the child, but for the sake of the parent. They became there for you. And if you didn't need them, if your child didn't fit your world or if your child wasn't able to accomplish what you wanted out of life or whatever, then you could turn your back and the child would be gone and there would be no ramifications or anything for that. So Paul writes to them to say, hey, the authority structures, is structure that God has put into place has changed and has changed for the wrong. And so dads, understand something. Listen, don't just provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Well, authority structures in our day, they've changed too, but they've changed in a very, very different way. The authority structure's now gone from an ultimate abusive authority, though clearly child abuse still exists, but overall in our culture, what we see is that the authority structure within households has completely changed. Just recently, the Carnegie Foundation came out with a remarkable family study, and let me tell you what they said. This is their quote, and listen carefully. The family is only a place for creating warmth, and encouragement, emotional nurture in the sense of just support. Parents are no longer craftsmen molding children. They are now more like executives over a plant in which they try to make sure all the processes are coordinated to come out with a final product. 
Let me read that one more time. The family is only a place for creating warmth and encouragement, emotional nurture in the sense of support. Parents are no longer craftsmen molding children. They are more like executives over a plant in which they try to make sure all the processes are coordinated to come out with a final product. In other words, this parents, by and large, don't raise children anymore. They don't authoritatively lead, discipline, instruct. What they do is instead they look at things almost like a corporate head looking over his business saying, I need to make sure certain processes are all in place and functioning well so that to the best of our ability, the thing that comes out the other end is the product that we're actually looking for. And so what has actually happened in so many cases, and they go on to say this, is that parents instead have have jettisoned this authority model and they're just nurturers. We just control the environment, make sure that the kid feels self-confidence, feels loved, feels cared for and provided for. But the actual rearing, the actual raising of children takes place outside of that world. That's where the professionals come in. So children become raised by teachers, child psychologists, counselors, pastors, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, people that are professionals, but the parents only job is to just manage the environment. We gotta make sure there's an educational portion, so they're going to school. We should make sure there's some form of spiritual portion or not, let them just figure their own way and we'll just be accepting of whatever they want to be. And we just manage the environment. Do they feel good about themselves? Is their self-esteem strong? And all of those sorts of things. As long as we manage the environment here, that's our only responsibility, but our children will be raised by the professionals. It's interesting how that parallels so much of what we talked about with the church just a few weeks ago, amen? And this is the reality. This is what the Carnegie Foundation secular study came up with. Tim Keller says, the authoritarian model has been jettisoned for the warm fuzzy model. The family's not a place where we tell children what they should be. It's just a place where we simply emotionally support them. Now, now, I don't think it's very much of a stretch to say this is not the biblical model for the role of parents, how the authority of a parent is wielded, and what the family environment is to look like according to scriptures. It's just not. And we desperately need to return to a biblical understanding of discipleship inside the home. To understand the importance and the role of the authority that God has given us as parents and why it's been given to us in the first place. Because in reality, like I said, the disciple or the, excuse me, the authoritative model has shifted. And even in our own culture, even inside the church, this happens because a lot of times what we believe as parents or what we've bought into is I'll just control that environment. I'll keep some of these sinful influences out. I'll make sure they're loved and cared for and fed. I'll support them and encourage them in sports and all those kind of things. And then I'll make sure that they get to the professionals that are going to help raise them. So I'll get them to youth group. I'll get them to Christian schools. I'll get them to Sunday school. And I'll do those things. And in that, I'm being a good parent. That's not what the Bible... Just consider a few passages what the Bible speaks to families. Deuteronomy 6. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, and you will bind them as a sign on your hand, they will be frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." Now people can say, well, he's writing that to the nation of Israel. Yeah, but he's talking about specific households, clearly. 
He's saying your house, even on the doorstep as you come in, that law is going to be almost like designated. This is the purpose of this house. And inside this house, we will teach our kids and we will talk about Jesus and we will deal with those things. It's, it's on a personal, individual, family level. And he's saying it's your responsibility. You go on Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It doesn't say, son, may you appreciate the warm, fuzzy environment we've created for you. It goes to something specific. Instruction. Teaching. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It does not say, create a safe, loving environment for a kid and then pray that God makes sure when he's old, he turns out okay. He says, no, train. You have an end goal and then you work towards that goal. And training involves sweat, labor, work, train, direct. The, the idea that the family only exists to cultivate and nurture love for your child is not the biblical foundation. The biblical model for the authority that God has given you as parents over your children, those of you who have kids of any age, God's given you an authority, but he's given you an authority for a very specific reason. And that specific reason is given to us right there in Ephesians 6, 4. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here's where we have to understand this. I've shared this with you guys before a while back, but, but the idea of a proper understanding of how authority works in our children's lives and the purpose of it is crucial. There, there's a book that came out just a couple of years ago called Almost Christian. And, and in it, they did a study about children that are walking away from the faith when they leave their household and go off to colleges. And they were trying to figure out what is it at play there? What's the issue that causes them to walk away? Why is this happening? And one of the main things they discovered is that we tend to, as Christians, raise our children in an authority structure, just like what we're talking about. But, but it's an authority structure that keep all the sin out, make sure we're putting all the good ingredients that we can, get them to Sunday school, get them to all these things, and that's good. But by and large, what happens is our children spend their entire existence with us coming to church because and only because of the authority that's involved. In, in other words, this, your kids are in church today, most likely because you got them up. Your kids are in Sunday school right now, most likely because you drug them here. And some of you literally drug them here. I mean, some of you woke them up three, four, five times to get them here. And left to their own, they wouldn't be here. They're here because the authority structure in their life, you said, we're going to church. And there's, that's good. Like, we need that because our kids do learn. But here's what happens. If you don't find a way as parents to get them beyond just that, then what happens is, is these kids, when they're going to college, and this is what this study finds, now they're in college and the authority structure of their life has completely shifted. You are not the dominant authority anymore in your kid's life. You're, their professors are. Their peer groups are. People like this. And so, so now, because they haven't gotten to a place where they can walk out their faith on their own, and it hasn't become an experiential thing for themselves, the authority structures change. There, there's no more mandate on them to go to church to learn about the Lord. And in fact, in many cases, the authority structures that are out there are telling the kids they should not learn about Jesus, that it's a joke. 
And, and so we have to find a way to navigate this. And this is, this is what Paul is writing even to his church. You have been given parents an authority to train up and raise and disciple your children. And the primary vessel for discipleship for families has always been designed to be the home, not the church corporately. It's the home. And, and we've got to do better at this. We've got to have a better understanding of this for the sake of our kids. And, and then, and here's the thing, guys. We can look at these things as being like, okay, this is a practical sermon today. This is a spiritual sermon. This is a practical sermon. And that's such hogwash. This is as spiritual as it gets right here. He, he's writing this in Ephesians, one of the most deep doctrinally books that exists and he's writing this about this is what the natural outcoming of you being a child of Christ adopted into the family of God is and he's writing it within the context of ministry he's writing it right on the heels of saying church your responsibility church remember a couple of weeks ago is to equip one another using the gifts that you have for the ministry and so what about us well this is ministry and so as a church, I believe we have a responsibility not to raise your kids for you, but I do believe that we have a responsibility as a church to come alongside you and equip you, as Ephesians 4.12 says, for the ministry ahead. So in specific with families, our responsibility as a church is to come alongside you as parents and help you raise your children, help you disciple your own children. And this is something we've been really convicted on for a while. Like we, we don't want to create an environment that just continues to foster the ability for parents to just drop their kids off and then trust that they've done their Christian duty as parents and, and not even enjoy. I mean, there is joy in doing that. Like I, I have a privilege, I've had a privilege that very few people in here have had, and it's a glorious one, is that twice I've gotten to baptize one of my own children. I've been able to do that two times. But when I look through the scripture, like we can go, well, you're a pastor, Jeff. That's what pastors do. And I'm like... I, I don't think that's really what he had in mind. I think a better model is that the dad in every family is baptizing his own child because he's the one that led his child to the Lord and he's the one that discipled his child and he's the one that's been there all the way and he's pastor dad anyway. Now, time for transparency. I don't fully know how to do this. I would be the first to tell you, man. I, I told you guys a couple of Wednesday nights ago, as a parent, I'm figuring things out like the worst of you, probably. And my successes are probably way less often than my failures. But here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for God's grace on my life, amen? I'm thankful that God has worked in areas in spite of my deficiencies. And many of us in this room are walking with Jesus now, not products of the fact that our parents actually discipled us, but products of God's grace in spite of those things. And I'm thankful for that, amen? Um, but I'm also thankful that God has equipped this church mightily. We, as I've told you guys a few times even recently, have an absolute all-star team as, of a staff right now at this church. And, and we've got men like Pastor Brent Sisson, who has studied children and family ministry on, on a graduate level. That, like, that's his thing. That's what he does. And Jeremy, who's been working with youth for a long time and is a gifted counselor. And, and our newest pastor, Mitch, who has such a heart for the kids. Man, our kids love our new junior high pastor. And these guys have been coming together now regularly for quite a while. And they've put together something that we're going to be unrolling for you guys this morning that I am so excited about, not just to give you, but for my own family to walk through these things as well. 
It's a brand new program called Heritage Milestones that the specific goal is we want to do a better job as a church coming alongside parents and helping you disciple your own children. So I'm done. And what I'm actually going to do is invite some of the guys up. They're going to come up one at a time and kind of walk you through what we want to see and what we believe the Lord is leading, discipleship in families in light of the authority that God has given us as families and the authority that God's given us here as a church on what this might look like. So I want to encourage you, please tune in, pay attention. You're like, well, I don't have kids. What you might one day. Well, I'm 75. Okay, well, maybe not, but, but <laughs> okay, hopefully hopefully that you're going to be involved in a culture of discipleship one way or the other, whether it's with your own family, whether it's with your community group, whether it's just interactions with other people that need wisdom. Hopefully God is going to call you just like we see in Ephesians four to use the gifts that you have to equip the church as well, to be a part of what we're doing. And some of you, you work in the children's wing. This matters to you as well. But this is going to be a complete cultural DNA shift for the way we approach children's ministry from birth through college for our church. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and one of the really um, masterminds behind all this is Pastor Brent. For you, those of you guys that don't know Pastor Brent Sisson, Brent, you've been with us for what, a little over a year now? A little over a year. Um, we had to go to North Carolina to get this guy, and that's for obvious reasons, North Carolina. But, but um, man... Brent, if you have not been a part and see the shift in the things that have been going on in our children's ministry, I mean, the Lord has just anointed this guy, and I'm not trying to puff his head up, but God through him is doing amazing things in our children's ministry. And as he's been juggling, reorganizing children's ministry, getting Awanas off the ground, doing all this other stuff, he's been working with Jeremy and these guys to write. This is a completely new program. So Brent's going to come up right now and kind of give some background. Can you guys give it up for Pastor Brent? that. Um, thanks, Jeff. Uh, by the way, I, I heard every word Jeff said. However, the entire time I was staring at his tie. So just a, just a word there. Um, I, I want to read, read to you Psalm 78, 4. It says, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. For each of you, I want you to, I want you, in your head, I want you to go towards the end of your life. You're sitting around maybe a table uh, eating together, or maybe sitting around the living room, and you have maybe your kids, your grandkids, maybe some close friends that are nearby. And as, you got, as you're sitting there, you're enjoying that time deeply. And the reason you're enjoying that time deeply is because you're hearing your kids, your grandkids, those closest to you, share about their love for King Jesus. They're sharing about the, the, the time that they spend in God's Word. They're sharing about mission experiences in, locally and abroad. They're sharing about their local church and the ways they've plugged in and are helping the local church minister to their, the, the neighborhood around them and they're just growing together. For you to do that, for that to happen in your life, and that's what we as a church want for each one of you, is to have a scene similar to that. But for that to occur, there has to be some very, there has to, you have to be very intentional for that to happen. That just does not happen just because. 
it happens because you're intentional about telling to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. It is you being intentional. And as Jeff has already mentioned, our goal as a church is to walk alongside of families, to equip you, to champion you, to be intentional in faith training in your home. And that's our, that's our goal. That's our mission. That's what we want to do is come alongside of you, champion you, equip you to do what God has called you to do. And so the question becomes, how will we do that? How do, how do we do that? Um, if, you, if you think of milestones, and that's where we, we come to in this. You think of milestones, we all celebrate milestones. If you've got a baby, you celebrate the milestone of maybe that child sleeping through the night so you can sleep. You celebrate the, the, the kid getting up on its hands and knees and scooting and crawling. You celebrate a first tooth. Celebrate a first word. You, a little bit older, you celebrate them riding a bicycle maybe. As they get in their teen years, you celebrate or you lament at them getting their driver's license. You celebrate milestones, significant milestones that come up in the life of, of your child. And we all, if, if we've had kids, we've, we've been there. We've seen those things happen. And they're, they're big. But for us, we want to come alongside you as a family and celebrate spiritual milestones. Things that are very, very important in the life of your kid from birth to grad, high school graduation that are, spirit, and we want, that are significant spiritual milestones. And so we want to introduce to you Heritage Milestones. Um, this is the kind of our logo for this. And over the next few minutes, we're going to roll out uh, six milestones, these six significant milestones that lay out a vision for your family from birth to graduation. Six disciple-making, faith-training milestones in your life. And the, the first one we're going to talk about is going to be um, parent-child dedication. Milestone two. We're going to do faith commitment, celebrating the, a, a faith commitment in the life of your child. Milestone three is path, uh, is it pathway? Yeah, preparing for adolescence. Get my milestones mixed up a little bit. Preparing for adolescence. Milestone four is we're going to talk about the pathway to purity in the life of a middle schooler. Uh, milestone five, we're going to talk about movement towards maturity in a high schooler. And then milestone six, we're going to talk about the preparing to launch into life. And over the next few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to roll out the details of those so that you know as a parent what's going to be coming up and how our DNA as a church is going to be shifting a little bit and, um, and the ways that we're going to equip you during each of these milestones. And then also, throughout these milestones, as it goes from birth to graduation, we're going to equip you to do two things. We're going to equip you to have faith talks in the life of your family and then also to celebrate God moments. Faith talks are just things, times for you to sit down um, and to have some type of rhythm in your family where you're sitting down talking about the Word of God. And then God, celebrating God moments, it's our way of equipping you to celebrate the, the, kind of the, the unplanned moments where you're op you have an opportunity to capitalize on that and say, hey, listen, let's talk about how God plays into that. For instance, uh, you're driving along, you see a sunset. You know, that's a great opportunity to say, hey, do you see how God made, made everything and like the beauty of that? We're going to equip you to do that. And before we go on into the details, here's, here's what I want to tell you guys. 
Um, I, I'm going to sh- share the details of one, milestones one through three. Pastor Mitch, our middle school pastor, is going to share the details of milestone four. And then Pastor, pastor Jeremy, our high school pastor, is going to share the milestones, uh, milestones five and six. And as you are walking out, um, we, myself, Mitch, and Jeremy, will be standing out there. And at, uh, there will be a table that will have a booklet that's called the Heritage Milestones. And in that, it's going to lay out these details that we're covering. And um, it is an, uh, an incredible booklet. Um, there's a gentleman here named uh, Carmine and a lady named Mary. They're extremely gifted, and they help put t- this together along with us. And um, it is our gift to you. We ask that you take one per family. Um, don't stockpile on that. Um, but take one per family. And, and we've, we've made it well so that it would discourage you from just going home and trashing this. We want this as a keepsake for you to look at and to reference back to. It is done incredibly well. That's one thing. Second thing that I want to encourage you, and, I, and Jeff already mentioned this, and I'm going to reiterate this again. This Heritage Milestones is for everyone. This is for the single adult that doesn't have a kid. This is for the for the, the, a couple that's in there that's a grandparent or a couple that's a, an older a couple that has no kids. This is for everyone. This is everyone in to do this. Because here's the thing. As we do this and as we further, more intentionally equip families, guess what? We have an enemy. And you guys know, and it doesn't take a, anything, to, uh, anything ex- extraneous to know that the enemy is out to still kill and destroy families. And as we do this, like, the enemy is not going to be happy. And guess what? For you and for each one of us, but for those that maybe don't have kids in that birth, the graduation um, ages, you, your prayers, your encouragement into the lives of families is going to be the wind that fills the cells of their families to, to do this. To, to do faith talks, to celebrate these God moments, to celebrate these milestones. And so please hear me. Everyone is in on this. Everyone. So let's talk about the details. Milestone one. Milestone one is our parent-child dedication. This is going to be celebrated in the, in the birth to two-year-old um, age bracket. And here's, what, how, here's what's required um, of, of this milestone. Uh, parents will attend a one-hour meeting to discuss uh, topics that pertain to uh, parent-child dedication. Let me stop there for a second. Historically, we've done uh, baby dedication up here on stage, and, we, and it's great. And we do that. We bring a, a family up. We pray for them, encourage them. And so w- what this is going to do is we're going to say, hey, listen, we're going to go through a few things. And I'm going to address those in just in a minute. And, and we're going to equip you to see this as more of, than just a, a baby dedication. This in reality is, I mean, you guys know a baby could care less about being up here. It just wants to eat and sleep, right? I mean, in general, and then smile, and maybe smile or cry. But it, the reality is it, this is for parents. I mean, this is as much for parents to say we are commissioning these parents to go and do what God has called them to do. And so what's required of this uh, is in this meeting and in this, in this milestone, we're going to um, equip you to uh, adequately celebrate um, the parent-child dedication. Second, we're going we're gonna to push the fact that you, as a parent, are the primary faith trainer in your home. And we're going to equip you to see that and how to do that practically. Um, and then we're also, we're going to talk about the development of your child 
physically, which we most, I mean, you can go to a doctor and get that, but we're going to talk about how that plays into um, biblical, uh, biblical roles at that, that time. But also, we're going to do that spiritually, the spiritual development of your child. And talk about how you can um, bless your child, ways to bless your child. We're going to talk about that, how you can do that at different, uh, at different ages and at different ways of development in, in the life of your child. So that's what we're going to ask of that. And then here's how we're going to celebrate that. Each one of these is going to be celebrated. And we're going to make a big deal out of it. This isn't something we're going to, you know, I mean, just say, great job. I mean, we're going to make a big deal. And the way we're going to celebrate this is we're going to, do, uh, we're going to have the parent-child dedication ceremony twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. And those, those um, parents that have went through that meeting and we have uh, adequately equipped them, we're going to bring them up, on, uh, them up on stage. So there might be five, six, ten families, who knows, however many babies we have in, this, uh, in the church. Um, and we're going to, we're going to you know, commission them. We're going to pray for them as, as a church, we're, as leadership. We're going to commission them to do what God has called them to do and to raise their child in the admonition of the Lord. So that's milestone number one right there, parent-child dedication. Uh, milestone two, milestone two, faith commitment. Um, and this is for, we're focusing on this on 12 years of age and under. Um, generally, and they, statistically, they say that the majority of people who make a faith commitment, not the majority, but a large portion of people that make a faith commitment are between the ages of 4 and 14. And this really fits in with that right here. And so, uh, take you through a scenario, a kid, 8 years old, makes a, says, I want to follow Jesus. And they want to do that through, and they want to display that to you, to our church family, say, I want to be baptized, which we do that twice a year. We're going to celebrate that, and we're going to walk alongside them to talk about that and, and uh, talk to the parent and equip them in that, and then also the kid. And so, um, so faith commitment, what's required at this? Um, parents and their children who desire to be baptized uh, must first attend a one-hour leading your child to Christ discussion with the pastor. And you're like, haven't they, w w this kid already been led to Christ? Well, yes, but the fact is, is we want to reiterate the, the importance of, of what their, their commitment is. And so the, the things that we're going to talk about in there, in that meeting, and we're going to champion that, is we're going to talk about what it means to accept Christ as Savior. It's different. I mean, it is, it is different. We want the, the kid to know that they're following Jesus. And, and we want to, uh, to equip the parent to talk about that in their home, like the significance of that. Second, we're going we're gonna to continue to re reiterate God's plan of salvation. We're going to preach the gospel, share the gospel again, so that we know what we're committing to. Uh, third, we're going to talk about baptism and exactly what it is. Baptism is not something we do to, be, to, to earn salvation. It's something we do because we've been saved, and we, wanna, we want to follow Jesus in this. Uh, next, we're going to talk about discipleship. Um, begins, well, we missed one. Uh, discipleship begins at home. That's, you'll see this in there. But um, we're just going to continue to talk about now that your kid is following Christ. This is where discipleship begins. Faith training begins. And, um, and continues, really. And then we're going to talk about the, celebrating the spiritual birthday of your kid. Like, the, your kid has, in you, for each one of us who, have, who is following Christ, you have a spiritual birthday. And we want to equip you and encourage you to celebrate that and make a big deal out of that in the life of your kid. So that two years from now, if it's February the 10th, and they gave their life to Christ two years ago on February the 10th, we're going to make a big deal out of that, just like a birthday, because it is more significant than a birthday. Um, and then finally, we're going to equip you to plan a family celebration 
uh, for that. And so what we're going to do is your kid would be baptized, and then we're going to say, hey, guess what? Make a big deal out of that day right there. Don't just say, great job. We're going to say, dude, take them to Chuck E. Well, we don't have Chuck E. Cheese. Um, you know, I mean, do something big that is going to capitalize on this. And so that we're, that's how we're going to, uh, what were the things we're going to lay out in, in Milestone 2. The, and then the celebration of this is um, children 12 and younger will be baptized in front of us twice a year, spring and fall. We do it at Easter and then again in um, late August sometime. And um, we will we'll do that. And then families, we're going to, again, encourage you to hold a family celebration. That's how we're going to celebrate that right there at Milestone 2. Milestone 3. Um, preparing for adolescence. This one will be fun. Uh, this is the birds and the bees. And, um, and so we're looking at grades three through five. And, and for some, they might say, well, that's a little too young. Um, no, it's not, especially if you're in public school. Um, it, my kids are in public school. Woo. Um, and this is the things that, that we see and hear. Um, and, but here's what we're going to do, is we're going to walk alongside of you to do this and look at this through a biblical worldview. Not as the world sees it, not as culture uh, would portray it, not as music, you know, cultural music would portray that or TV, but as the Word of God portrays this. And so what's required of this? A parent and a child will attend a 24-hour retreat and, and discuss in, uh, the following. And here's what we're going to do with that is we're going to have a fun, high-quality 24-hour retreat um, well, we're going to go away, um, with, and if it's a, a son, we're going to encourage the dad if, or a mom if the, maybe the dad's not involved in that, and, or both parents. And we're going to have fun, but we're going to talk about some things. And in that, we're going to talk about how to have faith talks with your child. What does it look like to talk about the Word of God in, at, this, at this stage of life? Next, we're going to talk about anticipating physical changes. Physical changes are on the horizon if they're in grades 3 through 5. And, um, and the reality is, it's good. God created it that way, and if it's not happening, then, then there, there's not growth going on. And we want, we want to talk about that through a biblical worldview again. We're going to talk about identity in Christ, who they are in Christ, who they are and who God wants them to be and who, who they, they can point people to in Christ. And then we're going to talk about how to lead your child through Passport to Purity Getaway Kit. Um, and that's how we're going to celebrate that. Um, the, the family cele- or the, the milestone celebration in that is we're going to uh, lead your child on a, uh, go ahead and to the next slide, guys. Um, how we will celebrate, parents will lead the child on a road trip using the Passport to Purity Getaway Kit as a resource. Here's the thing, there's a, um, a ministry in, uh, it's called Family Life, uh, Family Life, and they have an incredible biblical worldview of the birds and the bees, and it's called Passport to Purity. And it's a CD set, and we're going to equip you as a parent to lead your kid through that. I did it with uh, my oldest son this past summer. I'll admit, a bit awkward occasionally, but incredibly effective. And, and it was amazing. And, and, we, and it's a thing to continue on through middle school and high school to have these conversations of, of the body, the, the physical changes, but also just, you know, the, um, being attracted to a girl, you know, and a, a girl being attracted to a guy, but also in our culture, homosexuality, all those things it talks about through the lens of a, a, a biblical worldview lens. There. So that is Milestone 3. And so now, Pastor Mitch, our junior high pastor, he's going to come up and share about Milestone 4, and then Jeremy will come after that. So you guys give Mitch Connell a round of applause.
Is that better? Oh, praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Where are my junior hires at? Raise your hand, kids. Represent. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I'm a junior. I'm the junior high pastor at Heritage. I've been here with my family for about three and a half months. Um, man, it's like a war zone in there. You guys should really come visit if you want. We got stuff flying around the room all the time. Uh, but I love this group of kids, man. We're having a lot of fun. And, and looking forward to the next stage, the next uh, development with our junior hires. So, so I'm going to talk about, as Brent said, milestone number four, pathway to purity grades seven and eight. To me, there's no debate, especially being with these guys for the past three and a half months, that junior high is one of the craziest seasons uh, and most unique seasons in a kid's life. And, and they're especially formative, in my opinion. I just wanted to give you guys a quick story, a glimpse into the typical junior higher or junior hypers, as we call them. Their lives, two weeks ago, there were two guys in our junior high on Sunday morning that started to argue a bit about who was the manliest. See, one of the guys made a claim. He rolled out in front of the whole group and was like, dude, I'm the manliest one here. You don't even know. And of course, he got a challenger, so we had a duel going on. It was a straight-up competition in the middle of church. This is getting real. So, it reminded me a little bit about the disciples. They were bickering about who was the greatest among them. Until Jesus, that is, came and set them straight. But when I think of that story about the disciples, my guess is the disciples had some pretty honorable accomplishments that they could pull from. They must have had some pretty good resumes to get, like, rad stuff that they'd done in their life to help build their case for them being the greatest. But in the junior high, I promise you, there were no honorable accomplishments used to determine who was the greatest or manliest. Instead of works and accomplishments to prove their worth, that's not what they used. They didn't use money or riches, status or popularity in the group. It, come down to, it came down to one thing, and if you have a junior higher, I'm sure you know this is not out of the norm. This is completely normal. What happened was as this confrontation was going on, one kid just goes, dude, I'm manlier than you. I have more pit hair than you do. And I was like, whoa, this is getting real. That's a good glimpse, a little snapshot into a junior hire's life. And they have a ton of fun. Lifelong friendships are being formed in this season. But also what I've noticed is that their capacity to know God is way, way deeper than what we give them credit for. These guys totally have a capacity to know God in a real, real way. So no doubt this is an interesting and extremely important season in these kids' lives. As Brent alluded to a little bit, especially in junior high, it gets even more intense. Cultures are shifting just rapidly at schools. This is not elementary school stuff we're dealing with. The kids in our junior high group are exposed to stuff that they should never be exposed to. We got identities forming and unforming. Again, if you have a junior high kid, you know what I'm talking about. Bodies changing, hormones raging. Never before has a verse like Romans 12, 1 meant so much, where Paul urges us to, by God's mercy, present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship. Not conforming to the world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And as the world constantly is bombarding junior hires with lies concerning relationships, self-image, purity, identity, and sexuality, never before has a verse like 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 meant so much, where again Paul reminds us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit within us. 
that we're not our own and we've been bought with a price. This stuff is so relevant in a junior higher's life. And truly, I believe that with so much temptation and, and so much spiritual warfare, as Satan is roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour, junior hires fall prey to that. You guys, this is such a key time, so what's the answer? What do we do? And that's why I'm happy to be on board with this, this milestones program that we're doing because it truly is what we need to be doing. We need to point the kids to Jesus. The more we do that, the better. The more that we bring them to the foot of the cross and they see us come face to face with the God of the universe and they do the same, the better. The more scripture they hear and read, the more that they see we're invested in them, the more we're present with them and they know that we love them and we're there for them, the better. The list goes on and on. This is our aim at Heritage. As Brent said, we want to disciple the kids. We want to see them grow and mature in the Lord. But as Jeff said, the, the Bible lays it out a little differently. That discipleship, that training, that teaching takes place primarily in the home. And it is primarily the parent's responsibility. So with that said, it's my goal in Milestone 4 to come alongside and equip parents, as Brent said once again. Support them as key areas. In junior high, there's so many resources out there, excuse me, for parents that are going through some crazy stuff that they never imagined they'd have to go through. So I want to be putting those in your hands. And also, there's two things that really are going to mark this milestone for us. Uh, And so we're going to look at first what's required in this milestone number four. And and the first thing is, I'm I'm super excited about it. It's going to be much like milestone three. But a little bit different, we're going to be going on a weekend event as well. I'm really excited because this is for students grades 7 or 8. You go one time with your parents, both is preferable. So if you're in the junior high now, um, this is perfect. We're going to have one this upcoming spring. So if you want to sign up for this one, awesome. If your kid's in 6th grade or 7th grade, you can wait one more year, then do it. But we're going to be going out, sharing meals together having a blast, getting to know other families, because a lot of times in a church, even this size, you get lost, right? You think you're going through this stuff by yourself. I know with my littler girls, I definitely have felt that way. But we're going to be looking at scripture mostly, and we're going to be hitting the key, thing, uh, key topics that we think are super timely for this age group. We want to look at them at the, on the screen real quick. The first one that we're going to be looking at is the biblical standard for purity. Now, this isn't just one aspect of our kid's life. This is in every way. How to live a biblically pure life that honors God and that's honorable before man. So the first one is biblical standard for purity. The second one we're going to be looking at is spiritual training for teens and spiritual maturity. Again, guys, this is a time where there's new depth to their personality. They can understand the truth of the gospel to a much greater degree than they could in first through fifth or first through sixth grade. So we want to nurture that. We want to see these kids grow up and mature in the Lord. That flows right into number three, which is the changing roles of parents and children. Number four, how the church aids families in spiritual growth. Again, as Brent said, and we believe in the junior high as well, that parents are the main faith trainers in the family, and we want to come alongside you Teach the scripture just as you are and reinforce those things that you're already discussing uh, and talking with your kids about at home. Number five is identity in Christ. 
Again, junior high is marked with uh, kids. Really, have, they have no idea who they are. They're trying to figure it out. So one day they might come to school dressed in like gothic black clothes with purple hair. And the next time, the next day they're in like Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle with like bleach blonde hair. You just never know. They don't know who they are. So we're going to talk about our identity in Christ uh, and, and the worth and value that we have being made in the image of God. Number six, I threw this in there, healthy relationships and boundaries. A guy at the church, as I was talking about this this morning, he was like, dude, where were you in my teenage years? I was like, I know, right? Where was I in my teenage years? Healthy relationships and boundaries. How I want us as a church to model these things so that our junior hires look up to you guys in the church and they say, oh, okay, that's what a healthy friendship looks like. Or they say, oh, I want a marriage just like theirs. Relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals. That's what I want our junior hires to look at. And also I want to look at scripture and I want to say, hey, what does the Bible say about relationships and boundaries? And lastly, accountability and communication, primarily between parents and kids. We want to keep that open line of communication between uh, our kids and our parents as they go through these difficult times and new questions come up at school. They're, um, they're exposed to new things. We just want to have that communication open. So these are the topics we're going to be looking at. This isn't all we're going to be teaching, but again, this is just some timely stuff that we feel is very valuable in this time. Um, so after you go through that weekend event, as Brent said, we also want to take a second to pause and celebrate the rejoice in what God's done in the lives of our kids. So we're too going to have a covenant style event to celebrate what's happened. Parents will get an opportunity to vocalize their commitment to protect, teach, train, and lead their kids in the Lord. And kids will have an opportunity to vocalize their commitment to God and their parents. And we're really emphasizing the covenant word in that. So it'll be an awesome way to, uh, to really see and, and again rejoice with these families as far as what the Lord's done. So that's it for Milestone 4. That's a glimpse. Um, I'm super, super excited again to just see what the Lord's going to do. And, and really the legacy uh, in Jesus that that we're hoping, as parents step up to train their kids, we're hoping that'll just, uh, we'll see the marks of that for generations to come. So thank you guys. At this time, um, Jeremy Neff, our high school pastor and counseling master, is going to come up and fill us in on the last two milestones. How are you guys feeling about this so far? It's pretty awesome, huh? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I am so excited to see this uh, coming, coming to, uh, to fruition here, materializing. There's been a lot of thought and effort on the front end of this, uh, months of, of really planning and um, trying to make sure that we're, we're, we're making a system that is comprehensive, that's going to include families from birth all the way to graduation, and it's going to be a resource to help families um, take their kids and, and, and really make disciples on, on the back end of this. So like what we want, what we desire is for um, when your child graduates high school, after being, having been a part of Heritage Christian Fellowship, when they graduate high school, we're sending them out into the world, not as people to discover who they are, not as explorers trying to figure out what life is really about, but as equipped disciples ready to walk with Jesus. 
Man, that's powerful, powerful stuff. As a matter of fact, is I, I was thinking about this. There's, there's a passage in uh, the book of Psalms that describes for us a scene similar to the one that, uh, that Brett was describing for us at the, at the beginning. He asked us to imagine. And it says this in Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall be the the excuse me. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. That's what we're aiming for, right? That moment. The moment where we sit down at a table with our families and we look at our kids who are walking with Jesus and following him and loving him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the goal in the Heritage Milestones. Now at Heritage, we understand how important it is to grow with your team. We recognize that, that things are constantly changing, that there's a lot of transitions in, um, in the lives of your kids as they continue to approach adulthood. It means that, uh, that the changes in the things that students are uh, responsible for will, will be shifting and, and, and developing along the way. They'll be given greater responsibility as they move towards adulthood. It means that the formulation of male and female identities is going to be being established, as well as an assimilation into the adult congregation. And as this transition occurs, we want to walk alongside families and equip them to set a strategy in place that enables healthy communication, that also gives them markers for maturity, things that we're looking to see developed in our kids, some, some, some checkpoints. We go, oh, hey, you know that you're maturing as you begin to walk in these habits, as you begin to take on these responsibilities. And so son, daughter, we want to set some healthy goals for you in maturity, things that, um, that you need to be stretching yourself towards. We want to set a strategy in place that enables healthy communication. And we're going to help teens and parents figure out how to navigate the changes that are taking place as, uh, as a teen is approaching that time of wanting more independence. And mom and dad are still working very hard to, to be protective and grow with their kids as they continue to develop. So we're going to help teens and their parents define what it means to be a man or a woman of God. And give practical tools for growth and for discipleship. We're going to celebrate this transition um, in, in, in a, another milestone celebration. So uh, here's the thing. As we, as we begin to think about this, we, we need to uh, ask ourselves, okay, so what, is, what are the, these last two transitions really about? Well, in milestone, chap- or milestone 5... Not milestone chapter five. Milestone five. We're targeting ninth and tenth graders, and in the, that age category, already at that time, they're beginning to form an identity as a man or as a woman, and 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 begin to look around. Okay, so what? How do I know when I have arrived? How many of you sitting in this room right now 
um, didn't define what it means to be a man or a woman until you were in your 20s or maybe 30s or maybe later. I mean, there, there was no class that helped me to figure that out. Matter of fact, I can remember reading a book for the first time. I was, I think, 28 years old, and I'm reading a, th- this book about uh, a biblical manhood, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm shooting for. Well, we want to give those goals to people early, early on in life so that as they're beginning to form an understanding of the world around them, they begin to nurture uh, in their own hearts and lives what that actually looks like. So what's required? What's required in this? Um, well, parents and their students in grades 9 and 10 will attend a one-day event at Heritage. And this will take place in the fall. And in that one-day event, we plan to equip parents and teens with some information. Um, the first bit of information that we want to give is a definition of biblical manhood and womanhood. Biblical manhood and woman. What are we shooting for as we develop? We want to give real practical markers that will help you to understand how you are maturing along the way if you're a teen and parents, areas that you need to grow and disciple. We want to give them, we want to give you as families spiritual training for teens. We want to equip you to know how, um, how to manage spiritual growth and, and maybe some markers. We want to give you a reading list some books that your teen absolutely should go through by the time they graduate. We, we want them to understand certain things about the Bible and have a basic framework of how the Bible works and how to use it as a resource. We want to equip you with um, some help in, in the changing roles of parents and teens. We want to equip you with uh, how to understand the role of the church in spiritual formation and, and, and kind of discussing what Jeff was talking about. Uh, whose responsibility is that? How does the church then assist and equip families or individuals to grow spiritually? We want to help um, begin to form in young people an understanding of how they can find their role within the local church context. How it is that they can begin to serve? What we would love to see eventually is our teens beginning to take on responsibilities within the body of Christ and and begin to say, you know, I'm not just attending a church. I am the church. I, I don't just serve at a church. The church is serving and beginning to live out their identity within the context of a local church. And then we'd like to explain or have the opportunity to explain a right, the benefits of a rite of passage type of ceremony. Okay? And, and in this, we're, what we're laying out for families is, is a, a, a rite of passage ceremony that will mark for them a moment when they said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving behind the way I was before. I'm leaving behind childish ways and I'm stretching forward I'm leaning into the things that God has called me to in this stage of life and so we're going to have a milestone celebration this milestone celebration will be a rite of passage celebration it's parent-led 
Um, and it'll probably take place in your individual homes. We're going to give you a blueprint for that. And man, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am about this component. I, I, here, let me, let me just give you a, a sort of a peek into what that looks like. What it looks like is you gather around you men and women who know your child, who have been around them. They are going to write letters of affirmation. And basically what, what we're going to say is, hey, write, write this letter to sort of your freshman or sophomore self. What advice would you give? And then write affirmation of the things that you want them to know and to understand or the things, the good that you see in them or what the ways in which God is changing and developing them or growing them. And then those letters are going to be read to that child and there will be gifts exchanged and um, a time of prayer and commissioning to this next stage of life where you lay hands on your child and you pray for them. I mean, this is powerful powerful stuff. I mean, I'm getting choked up, and I already know it's coming. I, I think this is an incredible investment in your family. And so we're going to celebrate this milestone with this rite of passage style of ceremony. And then what we want to do is for those that have com um, completed this class at this stage, they're going to come before the congregation on a Sunday morning Probably they'll stand with their families. And then you as the body will gather around them and also lay hands on them and pray for them. What a powerful, powerful moment for our church. Next milestone, milestone six, preparing to launch. The transition from being a young adult to being an independent adult living outside of the home can be intimidating for just about any family. And this is a major shift in family dynamics. It requires prayerful and thoughtful consideration. It requires planning. And in this milestone, we begin the work of preparing our young people to launch into life. And we want to start in grades 11 and 12. We're going to have an annual um, event where, where we begin to help form some of that. Um, so in grades 11 and 12, um, I want, I want to ask, so what, what's required in this? What, what's the point here? What, what are we accomplishing? Well, this is a weekend retreat for parents and teens. Another retreat. These are, are going to be scheduled throughout the year from, from birth all the way through, uh, through graduation. So each age category, once a year, will have an opportunity, and sometimes twice a year, depending upon the milestone, to celebrate these moments and be equipped. In this retreat, we are going to cover... A variety of topics. The first one being practical skills for life. We want to help you develop a, a plan for your family on how you can train your kid to do important things that they're going to need to know as they're living outside of the home. We're, we're talking very practical stuff. How to develop a plan for financial um, security. How to cook. How to drive and pay bills and take care of the things that need to be taken care of outside of the home. And then... We want to give you some tools on basic apologetics, some resources. Again, this will include a reading list and opportunities for you to, to have devotions as a family that will help shape and, um, and nurture your child's mind as they head out into the world and begin to think for themselves. We want to give you guys a blueprint for dating, courtship, and marriage, what it looks like to develop a healthy relationship that honors God and moves towards a lifelong commitment in covenantal marriage. 
We want to give you tools on how to prepare for college and the workforce. How to, how to pick a good college. What, what is it that you're looking for? And this isn't just going to be everybody should go to a Christian college. I mean, if you're going to U of O and that's the best place to get a great education, good. We want you to have tools as you go there that help you to know how to navigate the college years. Um, and then coming out, out of college, and some will be entering um, a vocation immediately, we want to teach these young people that are preparing to launch how to use their vocation for the kingdom of God. That all of work, all that they do, whether you're a, a, a guy flipping burgers or you're a, you know, a mailman or you know, a, a gal who is um, a beautician or whatever, that you do all that you do for the glory of God, that your work is your worship. And then we want to give you some real practical tools as well on how to find a future local church. If you move away and you're no longer at Heritage, we want you to be able to understand the essential ingredients for finding a church that will continue to nurture you as a disciple of Christ and, and how to find those things. So these are all things we want to put into the hands of families and help them. Now, um, how will we celebrate this? Well, we'll celebrate this with a launching ceremony. After completing the weekend retreat, parents, along with their teen, will be asked to be in the sanctuary the following Sunday. The congregation will recognize the completion of this milestone and pray for families as they prepare for this life transition. And here's, here's what I imagine, okay? Here's what I imagine. I imagine our seniors who are graduating up here on the stage, and we, we're kind of going down the line, and, and, I, and I say to the first one, what's your plan after high school? Where are you headed? Well, I'm going to U of O. I'm going to be um, a, uh, I'm going to be a rocket scientist. Okay, awesome, great. And, and so we recognize that the calling to, to live that out in that field is something that you, you feel God has directed in your life. And we want you to know that that is your service unto the Lord. And we want to pray for you the same way that we would pray for a person who's leaving for Bible college. We want to pray for you that you will see your career, your vocation through the lens of the work that you do for God's glory and for his kingdom. And we want to commission you in the same capacity to be a vessel for his honor. So in this launching ceremony, we'll have an opportunity as a congregation to pray for each individual um, kid and, and to hear from them how God is leading them up to this point. Powerful stuff as a church. Isn't this awesome? Man, I, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be a part of a church and a team of people that know that the goal is not more services, right? The goal is making disciples. We've had to ask ourselves, okay, so what is a disciple? I mean, how do we define that? How do you know when you made one? Right? Is that like, he knows all 66 books of the Bible? Is that how that works? Is it a certain amount of knowledge? What is that? And the conclusion that we've kind of come to is, is simply this. A disciple is a person who no longer needs you to walk with Jesus. They can do it on their own. The goal in parenting and how we desire to equip you as a church is that you would have all the tools necessary to equip your kids in such a way that they will walk with Jesus and no longer need your help or assistance in that way. Amen?
As Pastor Jeff comes up, I'd like to thank you all for the opportunity to share our hearts with you and, and to see what God is doing in our church. Amen. Amen. If Jeremy got emotional there, part of the reason might be that he just finished an overnighter with the high school kids too. So he's working on like zero sleep. Um, hashtag youth pastor, Mitch. Oh, where is he? In case you didn't notice Mitch, the hashtag, he runs all our social media here at Heritage too, just, just so you guys are aware. Um, just a couple things in closing and Sam, we're running a little late, so we're going to, um, we're going to postpone the, the closing song just to give you a heads up. Um, a couple of things. It's really easy to hear a lot of the things there and go, man, I should have done that. Man, I should have done that. I, I missed the purity part and my kids are already in high school and, and guilt can come in. Even, even sitting there knowing what these things are, I found some of that in my own self. But, but just a reminder, we walk by faith in Christ and we are upheld by the grace of God in every area of our so, so don't allow I shoulda, I shoulda to condemn you. But wherever your child is in this stage, you're going to jump right in and we're going to do the best that we can to the glory of God. And in the end, there is a certain amount of truth that our responsibility is to do the best that we can to nurture, to teach, to instruct, but it's still God that grants the growth in all of our children. And he has a great history of working in spite of our failures. Amen. Amen. So don't allow guilt to consume you. Um, and don't forget, we're, we're going to do one more thing, so don't get up yet. But, but don't forget, on your way out, these guys are going to be available. We've got those books that they put a ton of effort into. Make sure you stop, get one of those, talk with them, ask some questions. I'm sure there's tons of things um, and tons of practical questions that you as parents probably have that we didn't have time to cover here this morning. But if you came here this morning, you're looking for that power. You, you bought, brought like a new believer and you're like, what kind of service is this? Like, this, this is important. This is part of who we are as the church. And this is going to affect the DNA of our church for years to come. And this is the kind of thing that we believe is not just secondary to the gospel proclamation that we do. It is going to be an essential part of the reality that we as a church are a group of people that want to declare to the world and to our children that we are fallen sinners in desperate need of the grace of God, but that God in his infinite mercy has injected himself into history, has seen our problem and literally took it upon his shoulders on the cross. He took our guilt. He took our shame. He took our sin. He rose from death, defeated sin, and he now grants eternal life to those who will believe in his name. And he commands us to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe the things that he taught us. And so this is this is the key. This is the mission of the church. And we're excited um, to have the opportunity as your church to come alongside you and help equip you to do it to a greater and greater degree. We appreciate your prayers um, because these are things we're still working through in a lot of ways, even on our own. We're, we're by the grace of God learning um, as we do. And, and I want to encourage you one more thing. This isn't just for your children. This is for you. Because nothing will grow you better than teaching someone else and making a disciple of someone else. You'll find yourself becoming a closer and closer disciple of Jesus Christ yourself. Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, growing into maturity. Amen? So here's what we want to do really quick before we go. Um, in the room we have all our junior high kids are in here. Our, our age is younger than that in the other room. If you're a junior high kid, would you stand up, please? And then also, if you're a parent of any child of any age um, that's in our Sunday school wings or a junior high or wherever that case may be, if you are a, a parent of someone, you're, you're still in that process of discipling, raising children, we want you to stand up as well, if you would. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to close with this.
We just want to commission all of this and you to the Lord and just ask that the Lord would just have his way in us. So if you are around these people, now you get to stand up and put some hands on the shoulders of these people. And we're just going to, as a church, pray God's mercy and grace together, shall we? And uh, I'm going to disappear because my family's over here. So I'm going to go over here and lead us in prayer from here. Hope that doesn't ruin our sound guy's plans. Let's pray. God, we just stand so needily upon your grace, Lord. Father, for most of us in this room, uh, our walk with you, it's more of a stumble so many times. We need you so desperately and so badly. And then to throw into that the responsibility of raising someone else when sometimes we can barely get ourselves across that finish line, Lord, we need your grace more than ever. And God, we believe as a church that this is what you have directed us to do, to address this very thing, Lord. We believe as a congregation, we believe as the leadership of this church that you have spoken to this church and that this is of you. And so, Lord, we are choosing to walk forward in faith and begging that we're not counting on a program to raise our kids. Lord, we're not counting on a formula to raise our kids. We're counting that you will show up and that you will use these things to raise children. And Lord, we're counting that even as we do this, you will raise adults, that you will grow us as disciples, you will grow disciples out of our children, that you will just bless this church. And, and overall, Lord, this isn't just indiv an individual family thing, but, but God, we pray that this is going to grow heritage. Lord, our church is named heritage for a very specific reason. It's because, Lord, we are family. So I pray, God, for our family here at Heritage, for those who aren't with us this morning, for those who will join us in years to come, for those who have moved on from us. I pray, God, that your kingdom would be exemplified through the family structure. And I pray, God, for a return to a biblical understanding of what you call the family to be. God, help us. Forgive us of our failures. Lord, take away guilt and shame that the enemy wants to put before us. And may we, as Jeremy said, stretch forward to the mark that you have set for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love for this church. And I thank you, Lord, for the men who have put so much time and effort into even this very program. May you bless Jeremy and Mitch and Brent and all of them, Lord, as they pour into us that we might pour into our children. May you give them all, young men, all of them, may you give them all incredible wisdom and resource to encourage and strengthen your church. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.